What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with me and my dad where we talk about the post-jazz game. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry the Dad. Welcome to another episode of After the Game. As Spence indicated, tonight, the Utah Jazz on the road playing their ninth game of the season against the Dallas Mavericks. And the Jazz come up just a touch short tonight as they lose 103 to 100 in Dallas. What a great game. Spencer, what are your initial thoughts of tonight? Well, the Jazz definitely are still trying to figure things out. It's funny because you mentioned that they went up by 15 at least twice during the game. But then it I, there's probably a lot of things that went into it, but they just couldn't seem to hold on to a Dallas comeback. And that, I mean, Dallas is a great team. Luka Doncic is one of the best players in the league right now, and he had a 30-plus point game, his seventh in a row to start the season, which is quite impressive because he not even Michael Jordan was able to score seven or 30-plus points to start the season seven games in. But that's really what it came down to. I think Jason Kidd did a good job of coaching the Mavericks, and Hardy is still learning a few things, which, which didn't help going towards the end of the game. Yeah, good point. I think you said it really well at the start. Hardy – and the team and the combination of those two are trying to figure it out. Albeit, man, we've won two overtime games this year. We've won some close games. We were in this one up until the final shot of the night. You're right. Luka Doncic, 33 points, 11 assists, and he only had five rebounds tonight um, in 35 minutes. He is a superstar of superstars. And my early uh, MVP candidate, he just controls the game. He's got a big body. He knows what he needs to do. He doesn't He doesn't go too fast. He doesn't go too slow. Um, it was just real impressive. And when they needed some calmness or someone to guide the ship down the stretch, he certainly did that. Uh, the Jazz were up 15 at least once in the second half. I think they were up 15 in the first half, if not – they were up 14 and they let those leads slip away as, as we were talking tonight during the game, there the teams make a lot of runs on us. I, I don't know if that's just me being a jazz fan or if that's truly what is happening to the jazz. Cause I know the NBA is a league of runs, but what do you think Spence are, are these runs happening more consistent against us or is this just the NBA? I think they happen about the same as any other team. I just think that maybe it, I don't know if it lies on the coach to stop the runs and maybe you have a different opinion, but it, it feels like we struggle with stopping runs when they do happen. And I do think we're doing better this year because we, we blew a lot of leads last year, but Hardy doesn't seem to call timeouts and that's a way to stop a run. And he doesn't seem to make substitutions when, when it seems like he could, when, it looks like players are tired, which is also a way to stop runs when you can substitute, get fresh legs in and or a different mindset. Kind of when you look at a puzzle for long enough and then you take a break and then you get back in, you can recognize different things. And I but I do want to point out the Jazz are very good at moving the ball in offense. That doesn't really translate to defense, which which kind of hurts us with um, stopping runs. What I mean is, especially with an all star like Luca, we will send a double team or we'll send uh, a lot of concentration to him. And then Dallas can kind of pass the ball around the perimeter and we are either tired or our legs aren't there to get to the free man when they can maneuver around us. And I think that is our issue. I wouldn't say we're, we're excessive in getting runs on us, but I think we struggle when the runs happen. 
I, I will agree with that. Maybe one of our greatest strengths can also be one of our greatest weaknesses. We throw a lot of lineups out on the floor. Right. It it puts other teams in situations where, well, who do we guard? But also those varying lineups don't get a lot of playing time together. And so therefore, when it kind of goes a little rough, it can go rough somewhat quickly. So we're going to figure that out. I made a comment during the game tonight. This is my observation. Walker Kessler, mm -hmm. after missing two, maybe three games, I don't know how many he missed because of an illness. He came back tonight, played four very short minutes. It seemed like maybe 40 seconds really did not look good. You could tell his body just wasn't there. And Will couldn't go to him later in the game when Olenek was committing fouls and Markinen was tired. Our best lineup probably is when Markinen is at the five, not necessarily when Olenek's out or on the bench, but we just didn't have a big to answer um, Christian Woods' night tonight for the Mavericks. He generally averages 16 points. He had 21 tonight, so it's not like he went crazy on us, but he had a stretch of minutes that just punished us, um, and it really hurt us. And once we got down, the hard part against Dallas – on the road, once you get down at their place and you've got a little bit of a cushion, Luke is not necessarily ever going to lose a game. So that was that was a little tough. I will say this, very proud of the Jazz. I mean, here we are, six and three, nine games in. We're starting to really realize who we are. This is a game tonight that last year, I don't know if we ever would have gone up like this, but we would have lost the lead and totally lost the game, in my opinion. I don't want to compare, and I don't want revisionist history, but it's possible that any other Jazz team over the last few years, once they got down, they would have folded the tent and lost by 20. I'm not kidding. Tonight, we stayed in the game and actually had a chance to tie it near the end. That's a really good point, and I kind of made this point off air once, but the Jazz kind of do seem like a team that isn't going to go away. And we've all played teams like that if we've played sports before where there's a team that for whatever reason, you can't put them away. And they don't seem to have a player that's going off. They don't seem to have a play that keeps on working or they don't seem to have a secret weapon that's making them play well, but they just won't go away. And I feel like that's kind of what the Jazz are turning into is a team that just won't go away. And like you said, last year, we probably would have, our All-Stars would have realized that it wasn't going their way and we would have ended up losing yeah. in the game. We just wouldn't go away. And if we could just tweak a couple small things, I think we 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 turn out to be a great team. I mean, we, we had 16 turnovers. That doesn't help. But it, it it also is hard when Dallas only has 11 turnovers. Yeah, they were home, and so the refs are definitely in their favor a little bit. But I think that we usually – I'd look at a stat. We usually average a total of 16 combined blocks and steals. And I didn't see that tonight. And I think that does emphasize your point of – not having Kessler to go to or Olenek down the stretch. Yeah, I'm, I'm scrambling here. Points here, Here's Holly Rowe, commentator for the Jazz, made a point tonight that I thought she was caught on, and that is points off turnovers. Now, we lost by three points tonight. The Mavericks on our 16 turnovers scored 26 points, and we scored 19 off of theirs. So that's a – seven-point swing, that might have been the game. I actually felt like we had 26 turnovers. We only ended the game with 16. We, I felt like we were turning over the ball a lot, and I think that's because the Mavs were really capitalizing on our turnovers. You know, a little frustrating. It came down to the end. 
Um, we played really well to stay in this game. Two things at the end where we lose by three, a chance to tie it with a final shot. Reggie Bullock hardly has any imprint on this game at all tonight. Played 29 minutes. He shot the ball four times. And I, quite frankly, didn't think he was on the floor that long. He hits one shot, and it's the difference in the game. Yeah. A three-pointer from the corner. Then second, um, our play to end it, and I'd love to get your perspective on this. We went to Clarkson, and um, mom, who was watching the game tonight, said, well, if you're going to lose, you got to go to your, your, your guy. She got a point, but I don't know if that was the best play to run for him. Puts him in an awkward situation in the corner. And I'm wondering if you, I don't, I don't know if Beasley was in, but Beasley actually is a guy who I think can hit clutch shots. So what were your thoughts on the last second try for the Jazz down 103-100 with four seconds left? So with market and inbound in the ball, you have a tall seven-footer, which means that you can move that around. And the way it ended up is Clarkson had that kind of tough shot in the corner fading to his right, which he's hit before, and he, and he obviously has a strong three-point shot. So he definitely was an option to go to. I don't know what the play was, if it was kind of a marketing option to pass to Clarkson or if Hardy drew up to pass to Harden. Um, but I kind of thought when the play was running, this is going to be a hard shot because I, I don't know who switched to get on Clarkson, but he played great defense and is a little yeah. bit different Clarkson. So I thought that Clarkson was going to be running to the corner as a decoy because obviously he's a good three-point shooter, which we would probably mm -hmm. try to go to. And I was mm -hmm. hoping he would draw away someone. And then maybe with Sexton coming in the backcourt, he could set a pick for Beasley to get a better shot, a little bit more open shot. Um, I don't know because I was thinking when we were coming out of the timeout, who are we going to go to in this? And to be honest, Clarkson was the first name that came to mind, but he, that doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be the one taking the shot. There are other players right. in the team that could pull the trigger. Right. And Markinen watched him the whole way. He watched the whole play develop. Sometimes you've got to be able to look there and then look away. Um, it didn't seem like there was an option B on that play, but what do I know? I'm not an NBA coach, but it looked like it was, it looked like it was Clarkson or bust. And, and, I think they're going to have to reevaluate that play the next time we run it. It'll be interesting to see the next time we're in this situation, uh, what play we run and if there's an option B on that play. Uh, good to be a Jazz fan, though. Start the season six and three in the first nine games. We've beat Denver. We've beat Minnesota. We've beat Memphis twice. Um. And and I'm wondering who else we beat that's a playoff team this year, but um, in New Orleans, I'm really, really excited to be a Jazz fan. I'm not sure where this all goes. We're living a little bit on emotion, but we have a team that's competing and a team that uh, certainly is deserving of their record. And we've actually played one of the hardest schedules to begin the season. And we actually play a, a difficult schedule over the next month or so. But then the schedule might fall in our favor. This could be a really interesting season. I think there was a betting line that the Jazz would win 26, 27 games. That line is now up to 30, almost 31 games. So everyone is taking note of what's happening here. I think every team's going to be hard to play no matter what. That's just the, the caliber of the league this year. But I do agree that we can take advantage of some teams. And I do like that we have this underdog mentality. It seems when, when – um, 
Dallas went up and did a, a huge dunk or a putback dunk or a big play, we didn't let it phase us, and we kind of just got the ball back in and just kept going. And I think in years in the past, we might have been like, oh, well, what was us? We just got dunked on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Back. But, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about this in the past. Two two words maybe to play off for a couple minutes. Number one, do we have a dog in the fight, right? Do we have a player that's going to – going to mix it up a little bit. You know, we had Jay Crowder a few years ago. We had Antoine Carr when we were going to the NBA championship 25, 30 years ago. Um, I think we've got a few dogs that, that they're not outward, but they're definitely there. I think Olenek has a lot of, a lot of really bark and bite to him. I think that Vanderbilt certainly does. Um, and I think the reason why I'm making this comment is we don't give up. And when somebody dunks on us, we, we come right back. I mean, Young Bull is his, is his nickname, B-U-L-L, and that's in Colin Sexton. Man, I really like his game. He might not be the most polished player. He might not be the answer to the future. But he comes in tonight. He has 19 points in 30 minutes, um, 7 of 16 shooting. You got to give him credit, and he's got a little bit of bark and bite to him as well. So, um, yeah, I think I thought that was a little fascinating. I don't know about you if you see a dog in us more oh, than yeah. you've seen before, or if there's somebody you would call out. So, I like Vanderbilt's uh, aggressive. I mean, obviously, I agree with you with Alinic. I do think he doesn't get pushed around, and he'll actually be the one pushing around and doesn't jump all over the place. But I think Vanderbilt looked a little tired tonight, and that also kind of lies yeah. on Hart yeah. and Coach Hardy. And I'm hoping, like I said, there's just a few little things we have to tweak, and I do think substitution is a strategy that we can upgrade. Um, but I think Jason Kidd did a better job coaching tonight just because he, when Dallas made their run to take the lead in the fourth, Luca was on the bench, and I think his trust in without Luca on the floor helped them a lot, and we couldn't really figure out who we needed to be in, and then the people that ended up being in got tired. But it was a good game. Uh, we learned a lot for sure, and I just want to look at the stats really quick to see how everybody else did. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say this. As you look at those stats, not being able to go to Kessler, it's not like Vanderbilt played a ton of minutes. He played 33 minutes, but he plays so hard. All 33 minutes of those are just at full tilt. Not being able to go to Kessler – I think there was still some some illness there. But when you don't have trust to go to Udoka Azabuke, right. we got a little bit of a challenge there. Right. And I, I briskly read this week, and I could be wrong here, and I've got to be careful. I don't think we picked up Udoka's option for next year, which means this is it for him. We made a decision by not picking up his option that he's not part of our future, but he's still on our bench. And when you can't go to another big guy and you leave those guys in there fighting and scrapping and trying to stop a Christian Wood, it's very tough. Um, so and I'm not sure did the NBA tighten up their tighten up their players because where's Fontecchio? Is he still out on health and safety protocol? Where's where are some of these other guys? I guess I'm I'm not seeing that could have played some minutes. And then I'll end with this as you're looking at some stats. Um, man, I really want to be careful here, and I really want to have a different statement. 
But Rudy Gay just doesn't bring much to us when he's on the floor. Those 13 minutes, I don't know how valuable they are to us, if at all. I was I was kind of <laughs> – I knew you were going to go with Rudy Gay on that comment. Yeah, 13 minutes, only two points um, and five rebounds. Not great from what you want. He just doesn't seem that he kind of knows how to manage to flow the game. And I, If you told me he didn't play tonight, I wouldn't be surprised. It, it's, it's tough because some nights – this this season he's actually been okay and been utilized well and taken advantage of his time in. So it's still it's still on the fence of is he gonna fall back to what he was last year where he just didn't perform as well we wanted to, or can he tip to the side of we're gonna be able to use him for the 13 minutes that he's in and, and he's gonna have that impact. But going down the stress the stats sheet, I to kind of respond to your point guard woes that you've had in the past with Sexton and with Conley. I think they did pretty good tonight. Um, Conley played 33 minutes and Sexton played 31, so similar time. And Conley- yeah, yeah, I think I think my comment was made three, four games ago. Great memory. I think I've changed my tune a little bit. They, they've been they've been playing really well. And especially tonight. Yeah. Against a big guard like Luke, who still went out and got his points, he didn't destroy us. Right. So it showed me the fight in those two. Yeah, and I think that was Hardy's kind of emphasis was it, don't let it be the Luca show, and it wasn't really the Luca show. Obviously, he can score almost whenever he wants with that soft touch, and then we did have to almost double team him and let, let other players score. But Luca was definitely a center point of the night. But Sexton, thirty-one minutes, nineteen points, which is great, um, shooting seven for sixteen, but still nineteen points from from a point guard. He was getting to the rim, and and that definitely makes teams nervous when they have to play defense. And then even though Conley only had 11 points, which is great, he had eight assists and that's a good statistic from a point guard. Yeah. I, yeah, I think they, um, they found a little bit of a rhythm. You can't really find a hole in tonight's game other than you blink a couple of times and you let some runs get on top of you and you get down on this team. They're hard to really I will come back say against. Yeah. I think I think if there was two more minutes left in the game, if you gave us two extra minutes, I think we would have pulled away with the win because the the run started to tip towards us. Yeah, good good point. The challenge was we didn't have it, but uh, but a good point. Hey, let's um let's go around the league tonight. There was a great game tonight, even though I didn't get a chance to catch it because it was during the Jazz game. But that was the Boston Cleveland game. So the Celtics went into Cleveland. The game ended up an overtime win for Cleveland, 114-113 against Boston. And I truly believe these could be two teams you could see in the Western and the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, our man Donovan Mitchell is off to a great start this season. Uh, he had 25 points. But here's the Donovan Mitchell that we know and might not love. Uh, uh, he, he did that on 27 shots. Whoa. He was 11 of 27. The one thing that Cleveland is going to find out is he is a volume shooter with a lot of flash and pizzazz and can do well. But when it goes bad, they got to hold on. So um, Darius Garland came back from an eye injury and played brilliantly. He had 29 points and the Cavaliers go to seven and one, I believe, and beat the Boston Celtics. Jason Tatum had uh, 26 and Jalen Brown had 30. What are your thoughts on Donovan Mitchell? If you have any to start this season 
And what do you think about these Cleveland Cavaliers and where they're headed in the East? You said it. Donovan's going to put up points off of a lot of shots, which they will notice, but I don't think they'll really care as long as they keep winning, which is what they seem to be doing. I think that's six in a row for them, or at least Donovan was mentioning something about that six for us, which is great. And that's probably what they only will look at is the W on the score sheet and not the 27 shots that he only made a couple of. And that just shows who he is. If he can stay with the momentum and winning, then he'll be a hero in Cleveland, which is good for him. But like you said, you have to keep that W coming up on the score sheet. And let, and, and if you don't, then they're going to start looking at other, the other statistics, which aren't super pretty for you. Yeah, no doubt he has a he has a, a, a the the honeymoon is going to be there and winning is going to keep the honeymoon rolling as long as they win. Yeah, the the East is is going to be interesting. The the league is already off to a weird start. Um, we could talk about how the Nets let go of Steve Nash being their head coach, and then kind of the rumors around around who's going to be the the coach there if they've made a decision or not, and kind of how that looks for the Nets who look like they should be the best team. But with Kevin Durant being so heavily guarded and Kyrie not performing 100% and Simmons not being confident, they aren't winning games. Yeah, the, the Nets are an enigma, a true mystery to me and to so many. They have great talent up and down that lineup, a talent that should be winning. I really think they will find their winning ways. I just think they're too good not to. I think that Steve Nash... We can say what we want, whether it was the owner or the GM or Durant or somebody saying maybe he needs to go. But I think Nash finally said, I've had enough of this. I really think it might have been a mutual agreement because they won the night that he walked away. No, um, I don't think they did. Uh, they beat the Pacers, didn't they, the night? I thought they played the Bulls the night he walked away, and they lost the Bulls. No, no, no. They they won. They beat the Pacers, then he walked away, and then they lost to the Bulls. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what you mean. Okay. Um. Anyway, just a just a true mystery. Again, though, I think they're too talented to lose oh, too Durant, many games. Durant gets Durant gets. You can look at the film, and Durant gets almost triple teamed every time he has the ball, which is because he's one of the he's probably one of the best players in the league right now, and that makes it tough if you're not going to have production from Kyrie and then Simmons even afraid to shoot the ball. So that's, if you look at the film, the reason why they're losing is maybe teams have figured out, let's just throw bodies at Durant and wish, wish the rest of the team luck. Well, I do think that Kyrie's actually not, he's playing well. I think his off court issues and his, you know, association with things that just are not right, make it tough on him and on the team. Um, but they're going to be interesting to watch. Uh, that said, man, this this these, this Boston team and this Cleveland team, so exciting, so exciting. Looks like um, looks like going across the board. Looks like Philadelphia lost tonight to Washington in Philly. Wow. Boy, I don't. I mean, we could spend time on that. They'll probably turn it on come playoffs or come. come possibly, possibly Chicago. So across the board. Uh, Philly loses to Washington. Cleveland beats Boston. Miami wins at home. Atlanta comes to New York and beats up on the Knicks. I just don't know what to say about the Knicks franchise. Uh, the Clippers win in Houston. And Milwaukee uh, wins against Detroit. One thing for Jazz fans, Boyan Bogdanovich signed a two-year extension 
yesterday worth about $40 million. So nearly 20 million a year. They really like him in Detroit. And I think they want him to be a piece of that team as they build this year. And then the two following years. Um, and then uh, right now we still have going on. Let's see if I got all the games, lots of games tonight. Um, boy, Toronto just thumped San Antonio 143 to 100 in San Antonio. Welcome to uh, a tough season there, even though the Spurs are like us. And then the Lakers are at home playing the Pelicans tonight. Oh, and Portland's playing against Memphis and they're, they're down. Um, let's see how Memphis does. If Memphis beats Portland tonight, those two wins we had at home against Memphis are big this past weekend. For sure. It's funny when you look at the going into tonight, the standings had the Spurs and the Trailblazers kind of with us. And so if all three of us kind of lose, then, then I don't know, it's still kind of early. We're not even up to 12 games or 10 game chunk of the first couple games of the season, but we've started off. Well, I did want to ask you, cause we kind of have a good idea of what else is going on around the league. But what do you think of Orlando only getting one win to start their seven games? Paolo Boncaro is just – he's the real deal. But I think I, I think I think I think I hear myself saying that every year about an Orlando player. Oh, this guy's good. Or this guy's good. This guy's good. And I keep thinking, when are they going to be a winning team? They produce really good players, but they don't win. So you're right, off to a one-and-seven start – um, if you get too deep, it'll be hard to come out of that. So the bottom teams in the East, Indiana, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Detroit, Orlando, Brooklyn is the outlier. Um, Charlotte, and the Knicks are ahead of them. I think if you flip flop the Knicks in Brooklyn, you're already looking at the non-playoff teams in the East. So there's a little bit of insight to Orlando there. Did you have a thought on Orlando? No, I was just curious because you kind of when each year whatever team picks up the first round pick or lands the first round pick, it's interesting to see. Oh, that. I can't, I can't hear you. Oh, I was just saying it's just interesting when you when you find. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I just had bad internet. Um, when the team that lands the first pick just to follow their season after, so I was just yeah, kind of curious. I, you're right, and and so why wait for the web and yama I, I guess it works you look at like tonight the dallas mavericks drafted luka Doncic. so you look at phoenix suns they drafted devin booker portland trailblazers drafted damian lillard new orleans pelicans drafted zion williamson denver nuggets drafted Jokic. so yes the draft is how you can build um but but man or orlando just that's, that's a great question you asked. I'd love to research and say, why can't the Magic win? They seem to draft okay, but they just don't win. Maybe it's just Disney, the curse of Disney. I don't know. <laughs> it could um, be. It could be. Um, what else we got going on in the NBA here before we wrap up? Uh, I'm not too sure about the NBA. The Lakers are finally got the first win. I think Russ likes being a six-man. Um, but I – hear about the Lakers way too much. I just feel like that's the only team that really gets pushed by the sports media. Well, they have one of the greatest of all time. He draws a crowd to watch in arena or on TV. So we're going to hear a lot about him, but, um, Didn't you know, he, yeah, go ahead. No, you go. Never mind. 
I, I mean, here we start to it, we start to get into the meat of the season uh, over the next two to three weeks before the holidays. It's it's gonna. I, I think you're gonna start to see a lot of things crystallize. And can the Jazz be a part of that crystallization, if that's the word, and stay in the top ten? Can they stay in the top eight in the West? If you can get to a sample size of 10 to 12 games over the next five games and the Jazz are still in the top five or six, it's amazing. And, and then if you get to 15, 20 games and they're still up there, then then I think you've got to stop saying this is a surprise. True. Who do we play next and when? So we play the Lakers, I believe, in L.A. on Friday. LeBron hates the Jazz, so. And then – I think that's what we do. Then we play the Clippers. So we're we're in LA for back-to-back games and then we're back on Monday night. And um I think we go Friday, Saturday, Monday. So Lakers Clippers in LA, then the Lakers visit us on Monday. So I mean, in reality, you should be able to go get two of three over these next three games. You might be able to go get all three, but here's what's fun. To start the season, you would have said, oh, well, here goes 0-3 because we're on the road and then it's the Lakers. Our team has such fight in it. I think I was uh, that I can see us getting two of three out of these. One thing I wanted to talk about, and we're out of time, I talked about the dog or, or a dog or someone on our team. I also want to talk about fear. Last year, we brought it up a few times on the podcast. Didn't seem like any team feared uh, so I asked you guys during the game the other night, do you think teams fear us in that sense? What's your take on that? Do teams fear the Utah Jazz this season? I would say they fear more than we did last year, but do you think teams fear us? I wouldn't say they necessarily fear us. I think they do fear falling asleep on us, which is which is a little different where they're like, oh, hey, the Jazz might, like they're not afraid going in, but they're they're also afraid that they might let, they might slip up and, and we could beat them. But they also don't really care about losing to the Jazz because it's almost like a throwaway game anyway when they come to play us. I, I, to answer your question, I don't know what they would fear about us. That makes sense. We don't have a killer on the team like we did in years past, even when they didn't fear us. But, I mean, maybe they could be afraid of what marketing could do. Maybe they could be a little bit afraid of, I don't know, what Olenek or Beasley or, or somebody. I, there's nothing – that really strikes fear. They're Got just it. slipping up. Got it. So, so maybe the, let me change the words. Maybe it's not fear. Do you think teams um, dread playing us? Do you think they take us more seriously today than they did three weeks ago? Yeah. I, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think everybody's taking the jazz a little bit more seriously now. I mean, let's, let's be clear in my mind. And I know we're big jazz fans and we watch almost every game and almost every minute. We just took the Dallas Mavericks, who are a very good team. Were they in the Western Conference Finals last year? No, they weren't. It was uh, Memphis, Golden State. I think we just took a very good Mavericks team and almost beat them at home. And it wasn't like it was a fluke. These were two good teams tonight, so I'm going to say this to end this podcast. We are a good team. I totally agree, and it will be a fun couple of games coming up 
to see how we fan out and the hustle that we have. All right. Um, I think that's about it. Do you have anything else? That's it, Spencer. Thank you so much. Uh, even though it was a loss, I still consider it a great game and kind of a win because we're playing as hard as we can. For sure. I, th I think some of my bets hit, so that's good. I don't think I made any money, though. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I did bet that each team would score 100 points or more, which we barely got to at the end. But that was a close one. All right, I thought well, we decided that's... not to bet on our team at all. Well, I always bet that they'll win because I just believe okay. in us. Because someone did say in the past, or maybe this is you, you read something. If you bet on the Jazz each game, you'll make a little bit of money at come 82 games after. So I'm kind of putting that to the test. <laughs> Here's the reality about betting. You rarely win. You know what? The lottery out here in New York, or the maybe it's all across here, 1.2 billion. Yep. 1.2 billion. What's what would you rather do? Place a big bet for a thousand dollars or put a thousand dollars in the lottery? Well, statistically, I'd rather put a bet a thousand dollars on a bet. Okay, that sounds plausible, but man, could you imagine if you hit any part of that lottery? Yeah, <laughs> I'd, yeah, well, you can only dream for now. Yep, all right, thanks, Spencer. Okay, thanks, Dad. Have a good night. See you. you bet. Bye.